God, you could do better than that. Listen, you have a breath of life. God is giving you great and precious promises, and you are in the house, whether you're joining us here or online. We are so excited to be here with you. Thank you for those of you that are allowing us to come into your homes. You're sharing with friends. Keep doing that. Make sure that you subscribe to all our various channels by, by ways, uh, by means that we are trying to put the Word of God out. So today, I have the privilege of sharing the Word of God with you. Now, if you're tuning in, or if you're joining us here live, I believe that honestly, there's something that you're seeking from God. Would you agree with me? If that's you, say amen. Right, for those of you that here, wave at me. For those of you online, go ahead and type amen. So I want you to join us in saying this declaration. And what I want to simply do is I want to invite you to begin to prime and uh, prime the pump of your heart to receive the word of God. So say this with a say, I have ears to hear. I have eyes to perceive, and I have a heart to understand and receive the living word of God. Now, come on, if you believe that, go ahead and give the Lord a praise offering. I'm so excited. Remember you said it? All right, so today we are continuing in our latest series entitled Life with Ants. Life with Ants, and we've been learning some big lessons on life from one of the smallest creatures in all creation. I want you to turn with me to our foundational scripture for the duration of this series. It's Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. And here's what God says. God says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. And so what God's inviting us to do is to explore, to, 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 to envision, to get, a, to, to get a hold of what the ant knows. And it's the wisdom of God. Verse 7 says, it has no commander, no overseer or ruler, and yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you come up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Now, while the ant is small, and it's even insignificant in our lives. I mean, I, I, I'm sure that none of you uh, have an ant farm. If you do, well, hey, you know what? I, I applaud what God is doing in your life. But I'm sure that for the majority of us, if not all of us, you're not really living with a consciousness and awareness of ants. And yet what we see is that the ant reaps great results. It never lacks it lives with purpose and on purpose. It's on mission daily. It reaps a harvest in due time. And it does it all according to the wisdom of God, how God designed it to be. Now, if you think about it, this is kind of what we're all really after. This is the desire of all men, whether you know Christ or not. Every single one of us wants the best results in life. And if we would just stop to consider what we're really desiring, what we're desiring is God's best. What we're desiring is God's ways. What we're desiring is insight to tap into the wisdom of God. But as we see here, if we're to enjoy the harvest like the ant, we must pay close attention to why it succeeds. Today, I'd like to talk to you on the topic, wake up. Now, that didn't really get your attention. So let's try that again. Today I'd like to talk to you on the topic, wake up. 
Somebody say with me, wake up. Oh, come on. If you were trying to wake somebody up in your own house, that wouldn't work. Say that with me. Wake up. Wake up. All right. So listen, Proverbs is all about God's wisdom for life. And in these verses, what we see is that God says to the sluggard that he should wake up. See, the reason why God says to the sluggard, wake up, is because the sluggard is missing something along the way. There's a warning, there's, there's, there's a foresight that God is trying to make available to the sluggard, and he says, destruction's on the way. There's a harvest that's about to be missed. And the reason why the sluggard's way leads to destruction is because he lives unconscious of the wisdom of God. He's asleep at the wheel of life, and he's missing the wisdom of God. I read a quote recently that says, if you want your dreams to come true, the first thing you need to do is wake up. Think about that. We all have dreams. We all have hopes. We all have great and precious promises that we're holding to from God. We're aspiring to something, but the truth is that those things don't happen in a state of slumber. Isn't that true? You have to wake up for them to come to pass. And this is exactly what God is saying. See, God's wisdom is the path to your harvest. God's wisdom is the path to every promise that his word provides. God's wisdom is the path to every answer that you're seeking and every question that you're pondering, every fear that you're facing. It's all contained, the answers in the wisdom of God. But what we see here is that to choose a life of slumber is to choose destruction. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 5 and 6 puts this in perfect context for us. Listen to what God says about you and me. It says, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Watch this. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. You know, the danger in living a life of slumber, in living through life in a state of slumber, is that the lights go out. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Notice that the scripture says that you, you are children of light, not of darkness. In other words, the truth is always shining in your life, whether you acknowledge it or not. The path is always discernible for you, whether you seek to understand it or not. And you can always see when others don't and can't, whether you decide to or not. So you see, while God still shines in your life, while you still have the wisdom of God, some of you may, 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 say, may, may be saying to yourself right now, well, I don't know the wisdom of God. The scriptures declare that wisdom has been made known to us in Christ Jesus. You have all the wisdom you need. It's already in you. It's contained in his word. It's been revealed. The problem is this, that while you have this wisdom, while you have this instruction, the truth is that you and I control the light switch. You have control over it. And so therefore, God says to us, don't 
fall asleep as others do. Stay awake and be sober. See, God's responsibility is his wisdom that's provided. Our responsibility is to be sober-minded, to be clear in our understanding, and to choose to stay awake. Hmm. And so, in the scriptures, in Judges chapter 16, turn there with me if you will, we'll be digging into that in a second, we have the story of a man named Samson, and this guy Samson was chosen by God to be a judge over the people of Israel. Now, from a young age, this guy Samson lived with the promise that he would be a great leader with immense supernatural strength. His parents were even instructed at his birth uh, by God to never let him drink any wine or to never cut his hair since he was a Nazarite. And you got to understand something, that this is a big deal because Samson wasn't just any person. Samson was destined to be a judge in the days of Israel. Days where they needed it most. And judges in Samson's day were men and women that served as military leaders. They were deliverers. And their actions, by and large, turned the hearts of the people back to God. But unfortunately, while Samson was chosen by God and endued with great supernatural strength, Samson suffered from many internal defects. He he repeatedly deviated from the wisdom of God. Listen, he disobeyed his parents. Often he was temperamental and impulsive, and he sought after women that wanted nothing to do with God. This guy took a bunch of detours in life, and eventually Samson's flaws led him to fall in love with a woman named Delilah. Sounds like a great part of the story, right? Only problem is that Delilah was a Philistine. And as a Philistine, here's what she was. She was not only an enemy of God, she was an enemy of Samson. Get that. Before they ever thought about it in Hollywood, the Bible tells a story of someone sleeping with the enemy. You know, it's a sad, sad story. Because this woman, Delilah, was enlisted by her own people, the Philistines, to to find out, to get at the source of Samson's great strength. She was paid off. And while Samson, in some distorted, weird, warped way, believed that she loved him, at the heart of her, quote-unquote, love for him, was a desire to finally capture him and defeat him. Turn with me to Judges 16. uh, And and I'm not going to read through everything. We're going to read verses 17 through 21. But what we see is this, that... Four different times this woman, Delilah, comes to Samson. And she comes under the guise of love. She says, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and and be subdued. Now, let me ask you a question. If somebody came to you and said, tell me what's the best way to keep you bound in life, would you have a concern? Someone came to you and said, hey, you know, I just want to know, what's the best way to trap you? The red flag should have went off right then and there. And the Bible says the first time Samson says to her, if anyone ties me with seven bowstrings, fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as another man, as any other man. And the Bible says that Delilah gets some, 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 some of this string, right? And she 
ties him up. And then all of a sudden, the Philistines show up. <laughs> they were hidden in the room, the Bible says. And she says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he breaks the strings easily. And the Bible says that Delilah says to Samson, you have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come on now, tell me. Again, Samson tells her, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. And the story plays out again. You know what's crazy about this story? That on four different occasions, she comes to him and she says to him, you've fooled me. You've made a fool of me. But the real fool here was Samson because the Philistines kept showing up and he didn't see a problem with it. The Bible says that eventually uh, that she, she, she says to him, how can you say that you love me when you won't even confide in me? You won't tell me the truth. And, you know, three times you fooled me. And she, the Bible says that she continued to nag him and prod him day by day until he was sick of it. Listen to verse 17. Watch what he does. And so he told her everything. Somebody say, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh is right. He says, no razor has ever been used on my head because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head was shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. And when Delilah saw that he, could, that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back at once. Come back once more. He has told me everything. And so the rulers of the Philistine returned with silver in their hands. And after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. And then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to the grinding grain, to grinding grain in the prison. Listen, Samson's primary task was to bring about the defeat of the Philistines. But despite knowing this, we find that Samson was blinded to the blatant attempts to destroy him. And as a result, not only did he end up captive with his enemies, they eventually took his sight. And I'll tell you how that applies to us. See, when you live in a state of slumber, it leads to a loss of the vision that God has for your life. See, our sight is limited, but the vision of God is limitless. And there are things that God wants to reveal to you, that God wants to show you, that God wants to enlighten you to. And the truth is this, that for some people today, and look, if the shoe fits, don't wear it, change it. The truth is this, that there are some people today, even in the body of Christ, that we live in a state of slumber. Yeah, 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 I believe what the word of God says. Yes, yes, John 3.16 says this, and, and 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 tell me this and, and, and you know the Bible says this and we can eloquently regurgitate the scriptures but is what we are declaring full of the wisdom and knowledge of God and so 
We need to remain awake. Somebody tell somebody, wake up. Tell somebody else, wake up. Look in the mirror and say, please wake up. Listen, I hope that you are taking this to heart. Because in a state of slumber, disastrous things happen. I want to leave you with three points today. In the remainder of the time that we have, I want to give you some things to think about in terms of uh, transitioning out of a place of slumber or avoiding it altogether. The first thing that I want to share with you is that a life of slumber causes you to lose sight of what God is doing in your life. I'm going to say that again. A life of slumber causes you to lose sight of what God is doing in your life. Listen, Samson was destined for greatness. There was an evidence of the power and the anointing and the calling of God upon his life. Even though he messed up, this guy was able to do amazing and great things. God was faithful to the call upon his life. But Samson, while having a call, Samson, while being anointed, Samson, while knowing that God was with him, lived as if God wasn't. And as we see, it led to his defeat. You know, the scripture says that eventually at the end, I know for some of us we've read the story. I want to encourage you to go check it out on your own time. But the story goes that eventually Samson cries out to God. I mean, his eyes are gouged out. He's bound and he says, God, just give me strength one more time to destroy my enemies. But you know, it wasn't supposed to end that way for him. That wasn't the will of God. That wasn't the plan of God. Isn't it true that when you go to sleep, you don't just turn off the lights? You also shut the TV off. You close the shades, you close the door. I know for some of us, you know, we have to put on some white noise. Maybe you have to fall asleep with the TV on. I, I get it. We're in different times. But I want you to consider why, for most people, we eliminate as many potential distractions. You know why? Because we want to sleep. Now, conversely, let me tell you how that correlates to what we're talking about. It's sad to say that we live in a day and age today where not only do we eliminate those things that deter us from what we want most, we also eliminate the voice, the power, and the purposes of God. All so that we can remain asleep. Wake up. I pray you're listening. Wake up. I pray you're... You're, you're tapping into the wisdom of God. Wake up. I pray that your eyes are being opened. Wake up. Because God is on the move. God hasn't stopped. God hasn't stopped speaking. God hasn't stopped working. God hasn't stopped doing good. God hasn't stopped his purposes and plans. God hasn't stopped acting upon his word. God is still on the move. So if you feel like nothing's happening, maybe you're the one who stopped moving. Listen to Romans 13, 11. It says, besides this, you know the time. So Paul's talking to the Romans, people in Rome. These are people that he had never met. He never ventured out to Rome. He never got there. 
But the scripture says that this guy, Paul, is writing to these people and there was much confusion in Rome. Not only were there believers, uh, there were many believers following after Christ, but there was also a lot of confusion because there was a lot of uh, uh, Jewish believers who still were teaching and encouraging people to subscribe to the law. They were saying, you have to follow the law, you have to get circumcised, you have to do all these rituals, you have to observe all these feasts. And so there was a lot of confusion going on there. And in the midst of this, Paul says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Can I say this to you? If you believe in Jesus Christ, you were not created for slumber. You were not created nor called by God to follow after God blindly. I know for many of us, we believe that that's what faith is. No, faith opens your eyes to the truth. Faith shows you the path that God has. And so Paul says, you know the time, the hour that has come for you to wake up from sleep. He says, for salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed. See, these believers had Christ in their life but they were blind to what had already been done and accomplished through Jesus Christ. And more importantly, they were blind to what God was doing among them at that moment. And so as a result, it, great, it created great division among the early church in Rome and many problems among them. And thus Paul says, wake up from your sleep. But watch why he says to them, you got to wake up. He says, for your salvation is nearer to you than you know. And it's important to understand what he's talking about when he says that word salvation. It's the Greek word soteria. And here's what it talks about. It talks about delivering power. It also talks about the power of preservation. It talks about safety and covering. It talks about blessing. It talks about health. In other words, here's what he's saying. Your salvation is at work in you. You have health, you have power, you have wisdom, you have guidance, you have a purpose. There are plans for your life. But he's saying you got to wake up to these things. Hmm. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. <sighs> and before you know it, the scripture says, that this mindset, this belief system of poverty will come upon you. And that lack will seize upon you like an armed robber. You know, the moment a believer begins to lose sight of the power of God at work in their lives, of what this salvation actually is, salvation is so much more than the forgiveness of sin, ladies and gentlemen. That's the starting point. That's the opening to life with God. That's the removal of the barrier and the opening to something new, something greater. Thus, the Bible says the old is gone, the new has come. But you know what? It's come and it's here and it's present, but you got to walk into it. And so the moment a believer begins to lose sight of the power of God at work in their lives, this salvation power, it is the beginning of a decline. You know, it's like slowly veering while driving. You ever try and convince yourself, oh, I can keep driving. 
I can keep driving. I can keep driving. And next thing you know, you wake up. You ever have one of those? I know I have. See, that's how this happens. This is, this is what happens when we begin to lose sight of the power and the salvation that's at work in our lives. All these things, we begin to veer, and it's slow and steady. You don't even realize where you're headed. And unfortunately, too often it leads to disastrous results. Wake up. Hear the heart of God. Wake up. The second thing I want to leave you with here is this, that a life of slumber will blind you to the signs of the times. Listen to the words of Jesus. I know that this is a, quite a few verses, but I, I, you need to hear the word of God. Not my opinion, hear the word of God. Luke 21, starting at verse 8, it says, Jesus replied, watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do you know that that's happening right now? There's a bunch of people that will approach you in supermarkets and all types of places, and they'll start telling you about uh, God isn't just a father, he's also a mother. They'll tell you that Jesus Christ already came, and now, you know, he went back, you know, and now, now we have to worship this woman. Wake up! You know who's the only person that can be deceived? The one that lacks truth. Wake up! He says, do not follow them. Verse 9, when you hear of wars and uprisings, sound familiar? Do not be frightened. Listen to the scriptures. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will, give you your, I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by, by uh, parents, brothers, sisters, relatives, friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win in life. And when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out and let those in the country uh, not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful, uh, how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and, perplex and perplexi perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Listen closely. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus foretold what we are beginning to see today. A world in turmoil, a world destroying itself, nations at odds, people at odds, families at odds, rising of, of diseases, false prophets, all kinds of things. All these things are the beginnings of even more difficulties to come for all mankind. The end of the earth and the second coming of Christ. The sad thing is that today, many believers are falling asleep to what's really going on. And get this. Instead, we're getting caught up in ascribing blame to people and systems. We're trying to conjure up man-made solutions. We're pushing political agendas. We're rallying to bring world peace without the Prince of Peace. We're gravitating to causes instead of bringing the truth of the gospel and we're looking to men as opposed to pointing men to God. And the results are tragic. I'm not giving you my opinion. Listen to the words of Jesus. Again, in verse 34, blue 21, he says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing. You know what he's talking about there? It's talking about a seizure of pain upon you. When he talks about drunkenness, he's talking about being in an intoxicated space in your heart. Listen, you're so full of everything else that you're so blind to the truth. You're in a stupor. And he says, and the anxieties of life, the weight of cares... And it says, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. I believe that God is telling us to wake up. Wake up to the signs of the times. Do you know that just July 24th, just two days ago in the state of Nevada, listen to this ruling that was rendered by the Supreme Court. Listen to this ruling. There is nothing unlawful or wrong about running casinos and gambling and keeping our bars open and keeping our clubs open, but there is absolutely something wrong about houses of worship congregating. 
You don't believe me? Let me read to you the writings of one of the, of one of the uh, Supreme Court justices. This is uh, Justice Gorsuch. I won't read everything. Uh, I'll just read to you the end of, 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 his, of his rendering. He says, by First Amendment, uh, the, but the First Amendment prohibits such obvious discrimination against the exercise of religion. The world we inhabit today with a pandemic upon us poses unusual challenges, but there is no world in which the Constitution permits Nevada to favor Caesar's palace over Calvary Chapel. Listen, believe it or not, we are beginning to see times where it is becoming normalized to stop us from turning to God. And you know what's sad? That we live in a day and age where the church has fallen asleep. I hope you hear my words clearly and you understand my heart here. My, my heart is not to build a congregation of people. I'm not in this for numbers. I'm not moved by, by what I see. I'm not moved by the, by the circumstances of this pandemic and all that. What I will tell you is this. What I see is that we have become normalized. We have accepted. We've become complacent with not even seeking God. Do you know what the statistics are? You know what the statistics are? I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just going to do this. I, I got to go there. I got I to read this to you. I got to read this to you. Listen to these statistics. The data today, present day, reveals this. One in three Christians are still and only attending their quote-unquote pre-COVID church. 53% streaming from their regular church online and 34% engaging in digital church hopping by streaming other church services. Watch this. And then there's 32% who are doing neither. A third of the body just in the United States today says, I don't need to go to church. I don't even need to listen. I'm good. God loves me. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and watch what happens. The last point I want to leave you with here today as we close is this that a life of slumber will, bind, will blind you to the schemes of the enemy. Listen, in the final moments leading up to his arrest and crucifixion, Jesus took the disciples with him to the Garden of Gethsemane. And upon arriving there, he took Peter, James, and John aside, and he says, guys, come with me and pray with me. Let's pray. This was a crucial point for them. Because Jesus knew how bad things were about to get. Listen to Matthew 26, verses 38 through 41. It says, then he, meaning Jesus, said to them, my soul is overwhelmed, is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Go a little further. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping.
This is what Jesus says to them. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? Watch what verse 41 says. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know why God is telling us to wake up? Because when we wake up, we can, not only do we wake up to the wisdom of God, we wake up to the leading and the working of the spirit of God in us. There's something so much greater in you than that which is in this world. So great that because God is for you, the scripture says, who can be against you? Who can bring you down? You know, the only way that a, a believer can live in defeat is if they succumb to it. And you know how that happens? We fall asleep. Wake up! Wake up! You know, one would think, I know that the scriptures don't implicitly tell us here that Satan was working, but we know that to be true because Jesus says to them, pray with me, pray, stay up and pray lest you fall into temptation. And you would think that if Jesus himself, God himself, says to you, hey, take time to pray. Take time to connect with God. Take time to draw near to your help and draw from that which you know all that power and strength and all these promises work in your life. Draw near to God. You would think that Jesus telling them that, that they would go, this is important. But instead, they went to sleep. You know why? Because like Samson, they fell asleep to the fact that the enemy also has a plan. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a day and age where the enemy is running rampant. And here's all he's doing. I don't want you to get scared about the big bad devil. He's lying. He's accusing. He's tempting. But you hold that light switch. And God says, turn on the lights. And walk in my power, in my authority. Ephesians 6, 12, and 13 says this. Let's stand as we close. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Listen, there are some of us, some of you, that have jumped on the, all these bandwagons. Let's do this for social justice. How about doing it for the kingdom of God? We're so quick to jump on all these agendas and all these bandwagons. And it, Jesus said it's the blind leading the blind. You are falling asleep to the truth. You are missing out on the kingdom's agenda. 
You're busy building the castles of men instead of the kingdom of God. Wake up! Verse 13, he says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and it has come, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Wake up. Wake up. Let me ask you a question. What dominates your conversation these days? If people look at your social media, what does it say about the kingdom of God? Are you pointing people to the kingdom or are you pointing people to something else? It's time to wake up, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to wake up. The time is near. Salvation's at work. This world's not getting any better. Don't fall asleep to the lure of lies. Wake up. Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Lord, right here, right now, Lord, in the hearing of your word, Lord, there's enlightenment. Lord, I do thank you that you do not condemn us that you're not judging us but Lord that you're teaching us you're also reproving us you're also correcting us and you're also instructing us as to what the life of righteousness actually is and today Lord if we've taken a misstep in any way if we've sought after something else, Lord, if we've been in a, in a state of stupor and slumber today, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have already provided our forgiveness, Lord, and we acknowledge where we've gone wrong, and Lord, we repent, we turn around. We turn our eyes back to you. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen each and every Man, every woman, every child, every person here, every person online, that you would speak and, and help us, Lord, and strengthen us in the inner man. Because according to the book of Ephesians, your will is, Lord, that we would be enlightened to the truth. That we would know the inheritance that we've received as opposed to what this world offers. That we would be united, that we would not cower under the weight of lies, Lord, but that we would be bold as a lion because that's what your word says about the righteous. And that we would step out and that we would step off, step forth, Lord, and that we would stop hiding. Because this world has convinced us that we have to hide. Forgive us, Lord, and help us. It's very possible that there's someone here today, and maybe, you know, this is the first time you've considered 
the word of God. Maybe this is, this is, this is a wake-up call. And you're going, man, you know, I started off on this path with God. And, man, I didn't realize how far I've gotten. But today I, I recognize my need for God. If that's you, I want you to pray this with us. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer that acknowledges the power of God. It's a prayer that acknowledges the move of God in your life, that he loved you so much that he already paid the price by giving Jesus Christ to address the debt of sin. You don't owe God anything. You are free and free indeed. It's why he rose, so that you can rise. So if you believe that with us, pray that with us with confidence. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me. Today I acknowledge you as my Lord, my Savior and my God. And I declare from this day forward that the best is ahead of me. And the past is behind me. And I am awake. Come on now. We're celebrating life change all over this place and online. Father, we thank you for all you've done in your word, which is true. We celebrate Jesus and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you again next Sunday. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that today's message met you right where you are and that God spoke to you. If you're interested in staying up to date with previous sermons, new content as we go live, or just being up to date with anything and everything that we're doing, please take the moment to subscribe to our YouTube page. Please make sure also to turn on your notification setting on the YouTube channel so that that way you get notified whenever we're going live. Lastly, I just want to thank you for your partnership and I want to ask you to continue in partnership with us with your giving by giving at our website at ctbny.com backslash give or through our Church at the Bridge app. God bless and can't wait to see you again.